another episode of the hyper anomalous esoteric research organization podcast aka hero paranormal broadcasting from spacewolfresearch.com base camp my name is ryan the anomalous ambassador of the airwaves bringing you an unbelievable episode today but before we dive into the goodness if you haven't headed on over to HeroParanormal.com, you're missing out on a ton of content and goodness over there. Check it out. If you're listening via YouTube, do me the solid. I will most likely never be monetized on YouTube for a variety of reasons, mostly including the topics I cover and the truth. But if you like, share, and subscribe, you'll help me bust through that algorithm of control. The shadow ban is real. And lastly, if you want to support the podcast, we have hats coming, t-shirts out there. You can access them at a variety of places. We also have a product uh, known as Spice Natural Bronze, which supports the the podcast directly. Um, You can go to happinessmedical.com and check that out. And boom, I think I waded through all the shameless self-promotion as quickly as possible. Done. Uh, But yeah, I got to do what I got to do to pay the bills, bandwidth storage fees, you know, IT, it goes on and on. Um, It's a necessary evil. But speaking of unnecessary evils, what is the possibility that, number one, zombies are scientifically possible, whether they will ever be real, and the most terrific, whether they actually exist, according to science, and other video testimony, interviews, etc. Well, according to scientists, a zombie apocalypse is not impossible. I said it. It's not impossible. However, most agree, for the most part anyway, that it is extremely unlikely. Now, one instance of humans entering a zombie-like state is a result of prions, which prions, as those who follow the research going on in the Uinta Basin of Utah, specifically in and around the area known as spacewolfresearch.com and surrounding properties, prions are abnormal proteins that cause other proteins in the brain to share their misfolded shape. This has been heavily delved into by members of NIDS, who was the special scientific organization that Robert Bigelow created, to not only investigate in the area, but investigate other places as well. They also were the same group that later became, or at least uh, molded, melded, folded into 
the organization known as BASS, B-A-A-S-S, and they had ties, connections, and involvement with ATIP and OSAP, two black budget Pentagon projects. Again, delving into not only this arena, but this specific area in Utah. So what do we know about prions? Well, we know they have something to do with cattle mutilations. I said it. Bing, bang, boom. And that's because unexplained cattle mutilations and the emergence of noteworthy transmissible spongiform encephalopathy, otherwise known as mad cow disease, suggests that animal mutilations are possibly a long-term covert prion disease sampling operation by unknown perpetrators. Aliens, maybe? We don't know. Government? Unknown. What we do know is that these unknown perpetrators, who are aware of the substantial contamination of the beef and venison food supply, seem to be keeping tabs on these animals. And this is because evidence has been presented that there is a correlation between reports of cattle mutilations and the reality of transmissible spongiform encephalopathy, mad cow disease. This all revolves around prions. And it's been shown that, at least in North America, chronic wasting disease has emerged in areas that shows evidence of strange animal mutilations, specifically deer and Also interesting is the fact that sharp instruments of unknown origin have been shown to be used in many of these animal mutilations, mechanical in nature, and with otherworldly performance. In other words, super surgical, extremely heavy as far as pounds per square inch, and the data is claiming that Predators and scavengers could not reproduce these animal mutilations. So, back to NIDS. The National Institute for Discovery Science shows that, and and their studies showed that high levels of infectious TSEs, other words, transmissible, transmissible spongiform encephalopathy, aka mad cow disease, were imported from New Guinea into research facilities at Fort Detrick and Bethesda, Maryland after 1958. And these samples were used for intensive cross-species infectivity experiments. NIDS hypothesized that animal mutilations represent both a TSE disease sampling operation on domestic and beef and venison food chains And overall, the evidence suggests that these animal mutilations, cattle mutilations, etc. are a long-term, covert, under-the-radar, mysterious, prion disease sampling operation by unknown perpetrators who, get this, are aware of a substantial contamination of the beef and venison food supply. This is pretty freaky, and prions are freaky. A NIDS member, a special chief scientist of the Bigelow organization, 
and somebody I consider to be one of the brightest minds of our time and a personal friend is Colm A. Kelleher, PhD. He has an amazing book that's delved into this phenomenon known as brain trust, the hidden connection between mad cow disease and misdiagnosed Alzheimer's disease. So there are connections to humans. Now, interestingly, this is an expose of the threat to our nation's health, revealing basically how mad cow disease, aka bovine spongiform encephalopathy, has jumped species, infecting humans in the form of Crutchfield-Jacobs disease, and it may be hidden in the enormous increase in the number of Alzheimer's cases since 1979. This, in my opinion, will go down as one of the most important books in human history eventually. And millions of Americans have already been exposed to prions known to cause mad cow disease through years and years of eating tainted beef, possibly. So government research programs, especially little-known ones, and the potential national health catastrophe that might be the result, shows something amazing. There are unknown perpetrators. That's right, unknown, possibly cosmic perpetrators. And the interesting part about this is the remarkable correlation with cattle mutilations. So now that we've connected all of these seemingly unconnected strands, what does it have to do with zombies? Well, there's a variety of reasons why animals will act like zombies and actually people as well. And although zombies have become really staple in Hollywood and popular culture, a zombie apocalypse seems to be, you know, uh, the prime directive for a lot of class B and C movies. But the real, world, the real word zombie, originally spelled zombie without an E, Z-O-M-B-I, first came into English language in the 1800s when poet Robert Southey mentioned it in his History of Brazil. Now this is interesting because the word refers to creatures from Haitian folklore. And that is at its origin having to do with the Haitian Creole word, the Haitian Creole word, zonbi, Z-O-N-B-I. But they are little more ghosts from Western folklore. However, little by little, the concept has evolved to refer to someone who enters a death-like state while still animated. And Haitian voodoo, as well as witchcraft, incorporates at its very darkest levels cannibalism. Now, interestingly, cannibalism can lead to zombie-like movements, activity, and dead spots in the brain. There is something called kuru, when you eat the brains of another human being, dead, that is, including other parts of the body, you can assume those prions. Those prions, through this ritual witchcraft cannibalization of another dead necrotic person, can lead to kuru. And kuru is creepy. It's a nasty, incurable, and fatal neurodegenerative disorder. Now, it's really sad because the term kuru derives from the foreword kuria, or to shake, you know, much like you see the zombies shake in the movies. 
This is due to the body tremors that are a classic symptom of the disease. Kuru itself, at the very base word, means quote-unquote trembling. It's also known as the laughing, laughing sickness. And this is kind of creepy because a lot of pathological bursts of laughter will come out of the disease. So Kuru has been widely researched. Probably not as much as it should be, but the accepted research has shown that it is transmitted among members of different tribes, specifically in Papua New Guinea and other places, via funerary cannibalism. This is when the family members die and they eat them. Deceased family members were traditionally cooked and eaten, which was thought to help free the spirit of the dead, feed those of the living, and women and children usually consumed the brain, the organ in which the infectious prions were most concentrated, thus allowing for the transmission of this zombie-like disease. Sadly, the disease was more prevalent among children and women. And it's quite literally a, a type or related to Crutchfield-Jacobs disease. And it, it leads to death every single time. So when people stopped consuming the human meat in the early 1960s, they noticed that this, transmiss this transmissible form of spongiform encephalopathy known as Kuru stopped. People no longer suffered these horrible, horrific, fatal diseases of the nervous system. Now, the physiological and neurological effects were very much in line with what you would expect from witchcraft rituals in Haitian lore. Apparently, this all came from normally folded prion proteins becoming abnormal, but it's super weird how ritual voodoo, Haitian lore, witchcraft, science, and now the possibility of inner connectivity to an unknown predator class or observer class, which is keeping tabs on this and potentially the perpetrators of cattle mutilations, this is all interconnected. There's also interconnectivity via cross-species contamination, and that's where things get really scary because little by little we find that zombies or zombie-like entities actually exist in nature. So how do they become zombie-like, this state of undeath? And humans specifically, when they become zombie-like, the things they do are quite literally horrific, like along the lines of what you encounter, curses in voodoo and other santeria, other black magic practicing rituals, you would expect this to be the outcome of these curses. So what would basically be zombie activity can be explained scientifically by a ton of different reasons, but characteristically have the same components. In fact, any disease that would entail becoming a chronic wasting disease or a CWD or any mutation of viruses such as rabies could cause something similar to a zombie epidemic. And... Although it's not exactly what we see in the movie World War Z, it is something that at least could potentially happen. 
it affects mental health, and it would affect basically activities that seem unnatural, at least in human society. Now, brains are primarily made of fat. We're not exactly sure what they do, even though there's brain surgeons and all these experts on brains. And I know this for a fact because all I've done for the last three years is study brain books due to a bunch of different reasons, neurological reasons, having to do with research in the Uinta Basin of Utah, the possibility of prion infection. And this all came about due to a personal experience with neuropathy when I was investigating a cattle mutilation case at spacewolfresearch.com. So I just out of my personal need to know, I didn't want this to happen again. I basically started losing feeling in one leg to the point where it was completely numb and I could no longer walk. I was told that it was neurological and I took the necessary steps with the advice of a lot of people that investigate a lot of the things we're talking about right now. So thanks to them in advance. But what I can tell you is the brain is the most mysterious organ in the human body. You know, a lot of people seem to be like, oh, no, we have other organs that we're not sure what they do. But, you know, the reality is the brain is the one that is the most inexplicable in its potential and how it functions. A large mass of fat, which is able to interact with electric impulses and create amazing works of art, stunning poetry, stunning music, amazing books, creativity centers. It's the source of magic. This amazing organ functions in ways that are inexplicable. Well, anyway, the brain is mostly made of fat, and therefore it's super important that human beings eat fat. I said it. Although a lot of mainstream narratives will claim, you know, you don't want to eat fat, you want to eat more grains, and you want to eat more greens, the bottom line is if you do not have a substantial amount of fat in your diet or oils that can constitute brain activity, then you lose that brain activity, and therefore you would basically start acting less brainy, and more zombie-like. This is a very true story. We've seen people who have gone totally vegan, and unless they're taking the correct supplements and have zero fats in their diet, they start to notice cognitive limitations. This could be as a result of not having the valuable natural fats that are necessary for brain cognition, and uh, it's an important thing. Well, we all know that being vegan isn't going to make you act like a zombie 100% of the time. If anything, you're just going to uh, lose a little bit of cognition and, you know, brain function due to the lack of fatty substances which nourish the brain. Not a big deal. It can be supplemented. You'll be back on the horse in no time. But what is it when it comes to behaviors and substances that very much create zombies, even if they are not from prions. Well, there's a variety of substances we all remember, or if you don't remember, there was a man who was eating another man's face in Florida, and this was due to what was called bath salts at the time. So we know that drugs can create zombie-like behavior. Interestingly, 
zombies, if they lacked fatty substances to feed the brain, they would most likely go for eating, guess what, brains, the fattiest substances on other humans. So it's interesting that this kind of uh, narrative follows into Hollywood and zombie movies, you know, like, I want to eat brains, all the zombies want to eat brains, because that's exactly what they would actually probably want to eat. Interestingly, there are a variety of drugs which create zombie-like behaviors, but possibly in the United States, the scariest lately is one that has been very prolific in Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York. And this is a drug which is a next-generation drug known as xylazine. Now, xylazine is supposed to be for veterinary use only. But this drug has been used in recent times as a substitute for heroin. Now, xylazine has a lot of scary traits, but most particularly, it makes people act like zombies. It creates holes in the flesh. They can lose limbs. They get these sores. They, they look like zombies. They act like zombies. And it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen if you Google the videos of xylazine abuse. It's spelled X-Y-L-A-Z-I-N-E. Typically, it is in the form of xylazine H-C-I. And as I said, it's uh, for veterinary use only. But when abused as a drug, it can create zombie-like behavior. Many viral videos have come out of people unable to stand, acting like zombies on the streets of the United States. And this is due to what some conspiracy theorists are calling quote-unquote zombie virus. However, the emergence of these videos seems to be the result of the effects of drugs, specifically xylazine. They also call it Trank on the street, T-R-A-N-Q, or Trank Dope. They also call it zombie drug. It's a crazy new substance on the market, and it has deadly effects. So we see that naturally occurring prions caused by cannibalism can cause zombie outbreaks or zombie-like behavior. We see that scientific drugs can cause zombie characteristics and zombie-like behavior, including death. Both, both lead to death, unfortunately, whether it's kuru, the use of xylazine, um, or other ritual cannibalistic practices. So the concept of zombie infection is, in fact, rooted in scientific truth. And it's not just humans. In fact, more than 700 and different, 750 different types of species of what are called cordyceps cause zombie-like behavior in other animals. Mostly insects. And each one targets a specific type of insect. At least two of those species have potential health benefits for humans. Now, this is scary because we could get this cross-pollination or cross-species contamination. People have been concerned about a potential human fungal infection from cordyceps. 
although it's unlikely that this could jump species and infect a human being in the same way it does bugs, what it does when it infects the bug is it literally takes the bug over, kills it, much like the use of xylazine, the drug, and it basically reanimates the bug, practically taking over its body. They become zombies. And what's odd is that (laughs) the movie Resident Evil stands out because it focuses on the idea that a zombie apocalypse can, or infection, can alter or change our genetic code. This is actually somewhat scientifically true, as alterations can lead to enormous physical mutations that forever change the person infected. And RNA, DNA, and human cells can be genetically mutated by viruses, infections, etc. So again, the idea of zombies is very likely. Scientifically, it's something that can happen. It happens in other species. It happens, obviously, with prions. It happens with the use of xylazine. It happens with ritualistic witchcraft and cannibalism. Zombies can become a real thing. Which leads me to some interesting video evidence that has come across my desk, where there is allegedly, I'm hoping this is fake, most people are saying it is, there's no proof either way of it, but this is interesting video of allegedly someone who is friends with someone in the military asking them about a zombie-like outbreak. In the video, it goes into detail about how, yeah, this stuff happens about every three months. There's an outbreak somewhere in the United States, and the military is called in. They quarantine the area. They wait for the zombie outbreak to stop. And usually the zombie outbreak is a biological one caused by something akin to kind of what we discussed earlier or mentioned, touched on for a moment, a virus, a cross-pollinating virus or fungal infection, a biological agent, otherwise nondescript, but something that crosses from the animal kingdom into the human kingdom, it causes this small zombie-like effect outbreak, which usually ends in death, sadly. But again, they have to biologically clean the area up. Let me pull this video up and have you listen to the audio and tell me what you think. One moment. Fair use. I don't know where this came from. Nobody that I'm aware of knows where this came from. So I'm not trying to use this in any way, shape, or form that has infringement. Uh, Fair use, just want you to get an idea of the stuff making the rounds on the backside of the internet. Check this out. Uh, This is Specialist Woolman, Washington National Guard. And what are we doing here, Specialist Woolman? Well, as you see, we have a couple lanes up here. We've had some zombie activity in these delicate buildings in this little sailing little country town. We're just trying to clear it out, trying to keep everybody safe. we haven't had any casualties come through just yet, but we have had some gunshots in these surrounding buildings. Well, why don't we take a walk down there and see? So, yeah. so how, how, how common are these things? Well, we're staying on the bird slightly, but it's still a really massive threat. Yeah, people don't know that it's actually a biological threat, not a chemical or radiological, like you are uh, meant to know. That's a biological is this. It's like a, a rash. It's like an environment that people have to deal with. 
It springs up, I think in America it springs up fairly commonly, I'd say once every three months somewhere in America. Alright. Now, so you see this big building right here? Yeah. We cleared this one out about two hours ago. But, we still hear noises, we still hear some scraping around in there. We think there might be a couple little things still going on. But we would say another sweep through there, and... I said we're right now set up for any possible contamination. Alright, and the point of this right now is to decon any of our guys or any civilians that are caught. Absolutely. Anything from a slight uh, blood splatter to a full-on bite or a penetrating wound. Fun fact, not everyone who gets bitten transforms. Uh, I know there's exactly. a lot of misconceptions with all the movies and stuff going on. You know, fairly common to see these guys just laughing. I mean, it's, it's a pretty safe thing. A full-blown epidemic is pretty much not likely to happen. You have to have a predispositioned ability to get turned into one. Absolutely. Not only that, but it's a bite that really kills you. You already have this strand available in your stream to turn into the zombie or this, this flesh eater or this biggest misconception is that they don't go for brain. Um, TV shows put it out that they eat brain, but no. But nevertheless, we take this quite seriously. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a huge operation. Uh, we have going right now, we liaison with uh, several different uh, guard agencies, and uh, even the Homeland uh, Response. Yes, you can see their major vehicle is just on the other side of this tent. We gotta get to that point, really. Alright, let's take a walk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just watch a step, watch a step. Of course, of course. We, we don't really choose the areas these things happen at, and we got the best option, best place where to do it. Yeah, you notice how it's, it's basically a backyard. Okay, so they go on and on uh, talking about, you know, the misconceptions, what it is. And to give you a little bit of background, it's basically a guy who obviously knows a guy who is in the military. He's fully decked out. There's also other people in military outfits and there's some people in like hazmat suits with a bunch of uh more or less decontamination you know thrown up tents decontamination what they call de decontents um they look like kwanzaa huts but they're made out of white plastic a lot like what you would see in um, a movie having to do with a viral outbreak or you know after you know we, we've all seen it we've all seen it let's not go into where we've seen it but we've seen it in recent years so basically they cordon off an area there is a military presence and you know people see this stuff all the time anyway the military doesn't have to tell you what's going on it could be something basically like an extreme rabies outbreak from what it sounded like um as i listened to the full audio on the video but that gives you a little bit of an idea what some are purporting is taking place of course others are worried about this zombie fungus the fungal pandemic, which can turn humans into zombies, possibly, or at least theoretically, or maybe. We're not sure. And there have been some uh, scientists who have looked in, into this. Now, the one thing we know about fungus infection and other viruses or pandemics, whatever you want to call them, is that oftentimes these infections find a way. They potentially eventually find a way so people including scientists have considered and tabled the idea of this what they're calling zombie fungus or a fungal pandemic 
could possibly enter into the human species. There's been a lot of um, resources that have delved into this, but the reality is we don't know what would take place when this happened or if this has happened in the past. If it has happened in the past, it's been kept under wraps. And if it happens in the future, it would most likely be dealt with in the same way uh, of the audio that you just heard, whether that's real, fake, um, it doesn't, I'm not sure. Some are contending it's fake. Some are contending it's real. Nobody seems to know where it's from, at least not yet. But it very much does sound like somebody just talking to somebody else who knows something they don't. Okay, so we've delved into a bunch of different scenarios which can cause zombie-like behavior. The list seems ad infinitum as we're not done yet. There's more. Another likely candidate is called toxoplasmosis, which is a parasite that edits the behavior of animals heavily by making them attracted to basically the smell of cat pee. Everybody's heard of that crazy cat lady or people who have a bunch of cats being known to turn slightly um, different, unique, bizarre, or crazy. Now, this is basically a real parasite, toxoplasmosis, that quickly and extremely edits the behavior of mice. And so far, only to a lesser extent, human beings. However, what's strange is it actually makes them attracted to the smell of the cat urine, which is why you'll sometimes see mice going towards cats. Seems like crazy behavior, zombie-like. Or why some humans seem to hoard cats and their behavior tends to change. What's odd about this is toxoplasmosis is very real, especially since the human immune system really is not that great at fighting parasites in general. Toxoplasmosis affects humans by causing them to seek out, well, the same kind of grossness. That's why they hoard cats. The more cats they have, the happier they are. And if a similar parasite affected humans and caused them to seek out human flesh, well, then the transfer of the parasite to their victims would quite possibly be something zombie-like. Now, although we don't see it very often anymore because of our robust healthcare system, the reality is a simple, simple thing like rabies causes very much zombie-like symptoms in humans, not to mention animals. In fact, rabies causes confusion, aggression, the desire to bite others, and it basically could be an apocalypse-level threat if it ever got out of control. Luckily, we only see about 25 cases of rabies in humans a year. Not enough to uh, make it a big deal, and we know how to now fight it. The wild part is, if it ever got out of control, or we found ourselves in the midst of a true rabies outbreak, it would quite likely be a true zombie apocalypse. Now, possibly the scariest of the zombie-like behaviors is in our midst, and it has to do with devices, the devices we use. We're quite literally living through a type of zombie epidemic right now. And what I mean by that is, if you have kids, which I do, and you ever let them use an iPad, you just unleashed something upon them. They become reliant on that device, and if they don't have the device, they act crazy, not to mention 
kids these days, even millennials, no offense, but they never knew the pains and the trauma, the long-term waits having to do with dial-up internet. They have no patience for that. They expect their devices to have interconnectivity 24-7 all the time and immediate. Something that I, dating myself a bit, never really had when the internet first came out. Interestingly, the internet first was a way to escape reality. It was a way to escape our very real reality. And you would jump on the internet, you could play PC games with others sometimes, and, you know, just kind of get a break from life. Sadly, the internet now has taken over our lives in somewhat of a zombie apocalypse, where most of us rely on the internet for both our work, we, we do business, make transactions, advertise, we work via the internet, and when we need a break from that, we also rely on the internet for that. We scroll through social media, we check out movies, TV shows, games, etc. Quite literal, zombie cyber attack. And it's not all fiction. Because we've all become reliant on not only the internet, this web of connectivity, but the devices that bring it about. And it seems to be, at least to me, that we have one particular zombie outbreak we can't seem to stop. And it is this reliance on the cyber community, the reliance on the metaverse, reliance on the internet, and the weapons it holds, which are the devices in our hands. We can't seem to get away from them, and every year that passes, we become not only more reliant on them for our reality, but also more reliant on them for our escape from reality. There are those few who still escape by going up into the woods, going out into the mountains, going fly fishing, doing whatever they want to do, going biking, hiking, running. That seems to be the true escape these days. And it's the true escape from a world I don't like. A world which is consuming us all. A world of interconnectivity, universal internet use, and devices which seem to arconically require us to log into them daily. Also interesting to note is smaller animals seem more conducive to being targets for the puppetry of their brains, whether that be from fungal infection, viruses, or other prions, etc. Maybe even the cordyceps, killer fungus. However, with more complex animals, specifically humans, it's a little bit more difficult, but not impossible to create this parasitic mind control opportunity. We've seen it with a bunch of different mechanisms that lead to what's been known as parasitic puppeteering or zombie-like behavior. And in my opinion, the scariest form of zombie-like behavior yet is one that my friend and author Leo Zagami, if you know him, he has the Confessions of an Illuminati series, and a book, volume 6.66, The Age of Cyber Satan, Artificial Intelligence and Robotics. And in his book, he paints a very detailed extremely accurate view of what he knows the Illuminati has been planning for quite some time, and it is unleashing this cyber Satan. And what I mean by that is he reveals to the world that, and with evidence, by the way, 
that there is a sabotage of the Catholic Church and a sinister plot ever devised by what he quotes as Cyber Satan and his legion, which aim to enslave humanity through the use of artificial intelligence, robotics, and of course the internet, the devices we use, and Vatican Jesuits. He says it's all aiming for a one-world religion. And once we are reliant on computers, internet, our devices, which we already are, and then at the next step, AI and robotics, well, at that point, it's all over. The apocalypse is here. And we will quite literally become parasitically infected by this cyber Satan. This is the scariest and the most realistic zombie apocalypse I see in our future. But all the others seem equally possible. So it seems all this rhetoric about zombies in Hollywood is not that far-fetched. There are many different avenues with which a zombie apocalypse could occur. The one that seems to be right smack dab in the middle of my research, my investigations, and right in front of my face, and which I have encountered personally, is this connection between prions and cattle mutilations in the Uinta Basin of Utah. It's a very real thing. And it's not necessarily exempt from this AI aspect, as many top scientists, theorizers, philosophers, investigators, and researchers of all types have ventured to come up with theories which may complicate the scenario because they believe that this precognitive sentient intelligence, which roams the area with reckless abandon, may have characteristics similar to some sort of ancient technology, not of this world, or an alien artificial intelligence of some sort from the cosmos, which seems to have the ability to observe, watch us, and interact, sometimes violently as in the case of cattle mutilations. Keep in mind that it's not just cattle which have been mutilated. There have been human counterparts. There have been human mutilation cases, specifically in South America. However, they've been rumored to take place in the United States as well, although much more hidden and kept under the rug. We shield the populace from knowing about these things because they are horrific. But the possibility is there, the evidence is there, and there's plenty of data delving into the very real, mysterious world of human mutilations. And we all know about the strange findings having to do with the NIDS team, specifically Colm Kelleher, and the prions in close proximity with bovine spongiform encephalopy, and cattle mutilations, for lack of a better word. There is some unknown player in this mysterious setting which seems to be able to interact with cattle and dismember, surgically removing items from the carcasses of these animals and otherwise taking what it wants, leaving the rest, and what it does leave seems to not be normal. In other words, typical predators will not prey upon the carcasses of cattle which have been mutilated. They seem to 
be aware that there's something tainted about this. And prion disease. There's, there's a lot going on with the prions involved in close proximity with cattle mutilations and bovine spongiform encephalopathy. According to one insider I talked to, he claimed that prions were obtained near a cattle mutilation in the Uinta Basin of Utah, and when these prions were analyzed, they had cosmic space dust, for lack of a better word, attached to them. And this space dust seemed to come from Orion's belt. Okay, so the science on this is tricky, but I'm just going to kind of in layman's terms explain what the evidence showed that this insider told me. Again, prions in close proximity to a cattle mutilation being studied, which had cosmic space dust, for lack of a better word, from the Orion's belt area of the cosmos. Okay, so what does all this mean? Well, in my mind, I jump to the immediate conclusion that prions, at least in humans, are caused from one human biologically eating another one through cannibalism, specifically the brains. We get something akin to kuru. We know that that's one form of zombie-like behavior and caused by prions. That's just looking at it from a human perspective. Well, interestingly... Orion's belt is way out there, right? And we know that historically, in ancient times, humans have praised and had a deity known as Baal or Moloch, oftentimes represented by a bull, a bull with horns, which they would even offer their firstborn to, and in the, in, they would create these shrines that looked like Moloch, which allegedly looked like a bull, and they would incinerate their firstborn for fertility and other blessings, handing it to this Baal character, this Moloch character. Of course, the cult of Baal is in close proximity to all this type of ritual. And it reminds me that Moloch is a deity, at least in ancient religious times a deity which appears to be like a bull or bovine in nature, and that possibly these bovine, which are being mutilated here on our planet, are being mutilated by something bull-like from somewhere else. And if that's the case, if there is something akin to uh, cannibalism of bull-on-bull -bull behavior for whatever reason, we may have something similar to bovine spongiform encephalopathy, which could be started and spread from cattle mutilations. So what am I saying? Cows in space, or was it pigs in space? You remember that? Um, I think it was the Muppets. Anyway, long story short, my brain goes to wild places. And that's what I think of. What if there is some entity which is bovine-like, however, much more intelligent than the bovine creatures we have on this planet, which may not necessarily be from here, whether it be dimensional or otherwise able to traverse from one re reality into another, is it possible that these characters are literally mutilating cattle 
and leaving their fingerprints, whether that be cosmic space dust on prions from the Orion's belt, or not. Hey, heck, I'll agree, it's far-fetched, but I would also argue that it's not impossible, especially since we have the cult of Baal, the cult of Moloch, and we have, quite literally, the belief that Baal was a creation of the creator god El, and that Baal is oftentimes a deity represented by cow-like characteristics. It looks quite literally like a bull. And for those thinking no way, no how, keep in mind that the cult of Baal was followed by Baal worship, the Canaanites, the tribe of Dan, the kings of Babylon, the pharaohs of Egypt, the Roman Empire, the Judeo-Second Temple period, the Vatican also has Baal worship in its archives, the Knights Templar, the Khazars, the Masons, the Jesuits, quite literally, the Illuminati. If you look at the cult of Baal, it does involve human sacrifice. So how far-fetched is it that humans would mimic the behaviors of another deity, mimicking the behavior of Baal himself, a deity, God with a small g, who is characterized as being bovine in nature, if we are mimicking by sacrificing humans, isn't it likely that Baal himself would sacrifice other bovine entities? A little esoteric, I know. But if he is created from El, the early Canaanite supreme deity, then there is this Baal cycle. And Baal is where we get the word cannibalism, cannibalism, which is Canaanite and Baalism. You mix the two with the Canaanites and the Baal worship, and you get cannibalism, the Brotherhood of the Snake. And it's important to note that the bull is a sacred animal, which would become prominent in iconography. By the time Baal worship had reached many parts of the world, he was a major deity, understood as a sky god, who brought everything from rain, water, life-giving sun, fertility, you name it. This guy could bring it all. Baal, there's a reason why he is represented by the bull. And if you remember the time in the Bible when the Israelites were in the desert, and when Moses went up to the mountaintop and returned to see that his people had created a golden calf, they were quite literally creating a calf in the form of Baal, the church of Baal, Moloch, in rebellion to the God that they seemed to believe was not giving them everything they wanted. They were going back to the staple, going back to one that others said, hey, why don't we just make a deity to this guy? He seems to give us what we want. So this is a very real aspect of human history, albeit one that most people tend to sweep under the rug just because it's a little bit ugly. And in comparison to Yahweh, well, yeah, not as nice. But the same way that Baal is a very real aspect of ancient human religions, and some would argue that it is still the religion of the elite. 
Just look at all of the ball significance in Hollywood or at Balenciaga. Or we have ball spelled out on Leave the World Behind. Ball seems to still be alive and well and is not a forgotten deity because he gets things done immediately, apparently, according to those who generate rituals for Ball. But the same way that this character is a very real aspect of ancient human religions, characteristics leading to science are also very real when it comes to toroids. The universe of toroids is an entirely interesting scientific proceeding. Let me explain. When people ask the hard questions about our universe, and they ask what makes it work, well, some of the questions are, what is the universe made of? What is the nature of our universe? This is what you'll find when you go to CERN and ask their scientists from around the world what is taking place. You'll also notice that CERN has a 6, a 6, and a 6 incorporated in their logo. Now, CERN is not only accelerating science. CERN is a particle accelerator. And this particle accelerator at CERN is in the shape of a toroid. Toroids are very powerful shaped objects. And go figure, CERN is dealing with dark matter and, of course, creating what they call the god particle. So CERN is deeply steeped in toroids and well known for being aware of symbolism having to do with ancient religions. There has been what has been called a mock ritual human sacrifice filmed at CERN where it is a particle collider in the shape of a donut. A toroid basically looks like a donut. And toroids are very interesting when it comes to plasma, when it comes to dimensions, and believe it or not, when it comes to energetic particle injection. Much like the CERN particle collider, toroids are used in plasma guns coaxially and a toroidal plasma gun is very interesting. It's a device using coaxial plasma in a strong toroidal bias current for enhanced efficiency. This is a very real thing. And the way it's made is very effective. It is very much like an accelerator because a pair of disc-like accelerating electrodes and a fast-pulsed toroidal gas valve basically makes the gun work. But it's not just hardcore science which is aware of toroids. Science fiction is highly invested in toroids as Star Wars utilizes this same feature. They have toroid plasma guns in Star Wars. So is this movies mimicking reality or science reality mimicking science fiction? It may not matter. The bottom line is it's happening everywhere and toroids are in the mix. Now, as far as the shape of the toroid at the CERN complex, while CERN claims it serves a diverse experimental program, the truth is that the accelerator complex at CERN is involved in many 
different experimental programs. Not all of them are probably things we are familiar with or even aware of. And people have blamed CERN for years, at least those in the conspiracy world have blamed CERN for years about possibly changing the nature of our reality, possibly being behind something known as the Mandela Effect and many other strange attributes of high coincidence in the conspiracy world. Now, it doesn't help that a lot of the high strangeness revolving around CERN, like the video of this mock ritual human sacrifice, are in the mix, or even the fact that when they do things, they typically do things in a somewhat esoteric way. This doesn't help their PR in any way, shape, or form, but the reality is CERN claims that they are probing the fundamental structures, basically the particles that make up everything around us, and using the world's largest, most complex scientific instruments to do so. That's all we know for sure. And they're using plenty of robotics and artificial intelligence to help them along their way. Or, as Leo Zagami would call it, Cyber Satan. So we have a voluminous mix of the esoteric, the scientific, and the strange occult world of witchcraft, not to mention many world religions, which all seems to have something to do with toroids, Taurus-like animals, cattle specifically, telltale signs or fingerprints from Orion's belt, on prions near cattle mutilations, and plenty of historical evidence lending credence to deities invoked by ritual and magic who have characteristics of the Taurus, the bull, or the bovine. At the end of the day, the bottom line is they are spiritual animals. And the toroid is a spiritual shape, circular, cyclical, infinite, and very much able to accelerate particles. And it gets its name from the same basic root word, tor, toroid, torus. And when it comes to the torus, the bovine, or the cattle, they are magical creatures. And they are endeared and respected living beings to adherents of dharmic religions like Hinduism. Jainism, Buddhism, and Sikhism. I really can't overestimate the sanctity of the cow. Cow slaughter has been shunned for a number of reasons in India, specifically because of the cow's association with the god Krishna in Hinduism. So again, a god in the shape of a cow or a bull. The Nandi bull, a 2nd century CE sculpture, is a sacred symbol so, it's a pretty big deal. According to Nanditha Krishna, the cow veneration in ancient India during the Vedic era, the religious texts written during this period called for nonviolence towards all bipeds and quadrupeds, and often equated killing a cow with the killing of a human being, specifically a Brahmin. Keep in mind that the Brahma is one of the most widely accepted strong breeds of cow from India, 
they are now utilized all over the world due to their ability to basically ward off infection or disease within their species. They are a tough cow. They are a hardy, tough cow breed, and now they're used all throughout Central America, South America, and even the United States, not to mention everywhere else. But the word Brahma is not just used for cows. It is also used for the priest class in Hindu society. And the Brahmin class is the highest ranking of the four Varnas, or social classes, in Hindu India. So here we have, again, coming back to the root word of Brahma, Brahmin, we have the Brahma class, or the priest class, sharing literal association with the Brahma bull. Now, it's not just far-reaching religions. This is everywhere, this symbolism and significance. In fact, the bull cult, a prehistoric religious practice that originated in the eastern Aegean Sea and extended from Indus Valley of Pakistan to the Danube in Eastern Europe, shared much of the same symbolism. In fact, the bull god's symbol was the phallus. And we have obelisks everywhere, even our nation's capital. The bull was often depicted as the partner of the great goddess of fertility. And if you think bull worship is just something for ancient weird religions, look no further than Wall Street. Keep in mind that the bull is the symbol of Wall Street. That's why they have a large bull on Wall Street. The bull cult continues before our very eyes and under our very noses, although we seem blind to it. And the cult of Baal also. And the elite have many things in common with the Brahma class. They typically stick to themselves and they do not incur any downward negative energies from interacting with lower classes or handling anything quote-unquote impure. So yeah, it's all taking place before our very eyes, right under our very noses, much like the cattle mutilations themselves, and with very little knowledge of how it all works. At least by the majority of the population. That's why you come here. And that's why I lay it out. And if you haven't looked around, go over to HeroParanormal.com. You can access all the content over there. There's a ton of it. Also, if you're listening via YouTube, please do me the solid. Like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. It would help me a ton, breaking through the algorithm of control. And lastly, but not least, please, if you want to support the podcast, head on over to happinessmedical.com. We have a product there that my wife invented, brought to market, engineered, formulated. She's obviously the brains in the operation. It's a great product. It's at happinessmedical.com. It's known as Spice natural bronze, and it's the first organic bronzing lotion that's hydrating with coconut oil, technologically infused organic coconut oil and organic aloe vera infused for maximum hydration along with other all organic natural products. It keeps that dry and crackly effect of winter away, keeping your skin moisturized all through the winter while keeping that amazing color you gathered in the summer tan like your life depends on it because it does and you can also get vitamins minerals and supplements over there at happinessmedical.com until next time keep your eyes to the skies feet on the ground but don't forget to take a look around
talking sensibly, but the congregation gets more and more enthusiastic. Amen. Yes, Lord. And they have worked out the preacher so that by the time he is through, have turned into not only poetry, but reality. <laughs>